as well. Okay, so. No, you're good. Um, okay, so if you do have the sheet in front of you, um, so well, you don't have to look at the sheet just yet. What what's my goal here in tonight's uh, conversation? Um, so I would say that over the past, uh, I don't know, certainly past seven months, but even before that, uh, but certainly as we moved along, um, in recent history, I would say, uh, whether that's in our specific community, in the country, in the world, there's just a lot of issues about which people have very strong feelings um, and disagree about a lot. Um, recently, the issue of Kiddush Hashem and Chal Hashem has come up as a very significant issue um, and unfortunately caused a lot of um, dispute between Jewish communities. Um, obviously, the issue of masking and COVID protocols has been a big deal. Reopening schools and shuls, how you do it, how much, etc. Um, the issue of social justice has, has, has exploded, certainly in the country, um, and issues related to the election, to the different political parties, to the candidates, uh, the, the Supreme Court, whatever it is. Um, there's just a lot of debate. And there's debate nationally, of course, but there's also debate locally uh, in the local paper, uh, on blogs, social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you, wherever you look, there is debate and there are strong feelings. Um, and it's raised the question, I think, for, for me, and I'm sure for a lot of you, as to what the Torah's perspective is on debating um, and disagreeing in a strong way and especially when that debate takes place in front of um, thousands, if not millions of people, depending on the medium that you're using. And what does that mean? How does a, how does a firm person, a person who cares about halacha, um, it, get involved in such debates? Uh, is that halachically appropriate? Is it inappropriate? Is it great? Is it not good? Um, what, are we, what are we looking at when we decide to get involved, to jump in the fray? And by the way, not just if we decide to jump in the fray and necessarily put a letter to the editor or necessarily, uh, you know, uh, write something on a blog, but just by reading these debates, just by paying attention to them, what does that do uh, to me uh, as a firm person? And what, what are the perspectives that we should have? So um, tonight's not, a, not an attempt to offer a comprehensive answer to that question, obviously. Um, it's a, it could be an you know, entire series, uh, you know, but uh, it is an attempt to lay out a kind of the number of the halachic and hashkafic issues that are at play and some of the considerations when taking part in a debate, uh, not just within the, again, you're just in the arena actually debating, but again, also as a spectator, somebody reads articles, has conversations with friends about these topics. Um, what are the, some of the things that we should be thinking about? Um, so before I say anything else, what, what would you say? What are some of the issues that, that could come up that are, you know, possible po- benefits, positive drawbacks, halakhically, hashkafically, et cetera, when you're asking this question, what would you say? Well, Jibra, Lashon Moti- okay, so there's the issues of Lashon Hara for sure, right? You're going to be talking about um, other people, other communities. Um, is there an issue of Lashon Hara? Is there an issue of uh, Moti Shemra, if you defame somebody? Um, I mean, yeah, certainly that's a question that comes up. What else could come up? Within the community, whether it's in the Jewish link or through letters or Facebook or whatever, people are watching. Okay, so maybe the things that we debate and we talk about could result in Chel uh, Hashem if uh, we don't, if we're not careful how we talk about them. Okay, good. Yeah, one other one: it can really lead to like bad feeling friends and, and people you know, like almost like a, like a Sina kind of thing. Yeah, could it be, could it strengthen machlokas? Could it, could it cause more machlokas rather than causing less? Right, could it lead to uh, people, you know, having issues with Shalom bias within their families and in their, within their community to have people uh, attacking each other, you know, fighting so much over things. Good. Is that my, is that my background? What the noise is? Okay, it's gone. Um, okay, anything else that comes to mind? 
questions or concerns that come up when I'm deciding to hit send on a letter or on a blog or on whatever. Sorry? Spreading wrong information. Okay. So you're spreading things that aren't true. Maybe you're spreading things that are, or things that aren't vetted. Issues, information that isn't, that isn't necessarily true. Um, you know, what does that mean? Right. Okay, good. Yeah. So it's definitely shown by issues also. Okay. Um, for example, my mother, who is totally secular, and has a very different point of view from me, she discovered, she's 80, almost 81, she discovered how to share on Facebook. Right, the so, stuff she was sharing upset me so much. Right. I was like, Mom, I love you so much. I'm happy for you learned to share on Facebook. The stuff you're sharing just upsets me and doesn't help, so I am blocking you. Right, so the sharing can happen even not just within the community. It could even even within our nuclear families. Good. Excellent. Um, okay, so let's take a look at some of, the, some of these issues and how they, how they uh, can play out. So take a look at uh, sources number, you know, one through through four even, just some basics. Um, number, issue number one, right? Issues related to Lashon Hara, not just specifically between one person and another person, but certainly in the public sphere. Um, certainly, by the way, it's a big issue if you want to be a journalist. Being a journalist is a big, you know, a real, a real, uh, uh, it poses a lot of issues for from people. There are from journalists. We've had some in our school. Um, but it, it poses a real uh, question because it's the issue of, of atta- you know, putting out information about other people. That's what a journalist does for a living. Um, and how do, how, how do journalists handle that? So take a look at just a couple of things. Right? What's the Isra Lashon Hara? The Isra Lashon Hara is a passage of Vayikra. You shouldn't be tail-bearing. Um, and very interestingly that these two things are put together in the same post. Like I, don't, I shouldn't be tail-bearing on other people and I also shouldn't be I shouldn't stand by idly when somebody else is in trouble. So we're going to see how these two maybe are related. But the Gemara in, in uh, Erechen, in source number two, asks, What is Lashon Hara? So Rava Amar, or Amar Rava, What does it mean? You're going to say about somebody, you know there's always a fire burning. There's always food cooking. At that guy's house. So I'm going to buy a Micah of it. What do you mean? That's, why is that, that Lashon Hara? What do you mean? That's, everybody, that, that's just something that people know. Yeah, that person always has, has barbecues, whatever. Why is that a big deal? So it says, well, no. You say it in a way that is derogatory. Right? You say, oh yeah, where's the, where's the, the party at? It's always at that house. You know, it's the, at the party house. Everybody knows those people are involved in X or Y or Z or whatever they're involved in. So the, the point being, it's not about fa- fascinating, right? It's less about what you say, but how you say it, right? So much of Lashon Hara is dependent on tone, um, is dependent on uh, what, our, what our intentions are when we say what we say. Um, and the Rambam continues and says, a person who right, says things, tells stories about other people, violates an Issa Daraisa of Lo Mecha, not to be a talebearer. You don't get Malkus, why? Because the Lav Shein Bomaisa. You don't do any, there's no action of Lashon Hara. Um, so you don't get Malk, you don't get lashes. Um, however, it's a terrible Avera. People, people even die from Lashon Hara eventually. Um, Lakach is talking about the story of Doeg Adomi, a story in Tanakh where, where people actually ended up getting killed uh, because, because people spoke Lashon Hara about each other. Lakach nismach lo v'lo sam on Adam Recha. And that's why the, the Pasuk lo sam on Adam Recha don't stand idly by on someone, other's, on someone else's blood. Why? Because, again, who knows the impact of, of Lashon Hara. Um, and what does it mean? No, says the Rambam. Ezu Rachel zeshatoin devarim v'holich mizela zeva omer kach amra ploni v'kach v'kach shemati aploni. A Rachel rechilos means I go around telling people I heard this, I heard that about this person, right? Afa pishu emes. Right? This is always the, the the thing that I think has become more famous now that we do know, even though it's true. The fact that something is the truth does not make it not lashon hara. The fact that something is a th- it could be a thousand percent true. The fact that it's true doesn't mean that it's not lashon hara. Um, Okay, nevertheless, it destroys the world. Um, and he talks about that, that's rechilas. Lashon hara is even worse, right? That's that's saying negative things about people. Um, again, even though they're true, if you say and if you say something that's not true, you say sheker. That's what's called moti shemer. Like Harvey mentioned, that's what's called moti shemer. That you actually 
are lying about somebody. Fine. And in the, in the Chavetz Chaim, in his Sefer Chavetz Chaim, defines it that way. It's forbidden to say something negative about somebody else, even though it's true. And that's called that's called Lashon Hara. Fine. Um, fine. It applies to everybody. It applies to even your own family. It applies, you know, even to your spouse. It applies even to your siblings. It applies to everybody. Um, and, and that's true even with whom you speak with, right? Any person you speak with about it, again, it's Lashon Hara either way. There's no specific, uh, you know, Kula that the person says, oh, it's my family member, so I can talk to them about it. There's no such uh, leniency. It's always, it's Lashon Hara. If it's a negative thing about somebody else, even if it's true, it doesn't matter. It still has that same status. Fine. Um, but there are some exceptions to Lashon Hara. And this is where, we're gonna, where it's going to get into our topic a little bit more. Right, there are some exceptions in the halacha when it comes to Lashon Hara. What are those exceptions? Anybody know some of the exceptions? What are some of the exceptions? When something that otherwise would be Lashon Hara in, this, in a certain scenarios is not Lashon Hara. Shat Khanas. What do you mean, Judah? Meaning that if you're trying to fix people up, you should be allowed to say the truth about somebody and, you know, hey, I heard this person, you know, or I know this person has done certain things, you should be aware of that before getting into a relationship with yeah. Right, it's the worst types of phone calls that I get. I, I, I like am terrified when I get phone calls like that because I'm so nervous to say something in some way that'll impact someone's decision, right? But yes, you have to tell the truth um, in those scenarios. And but why? Why? So why? But I thought Lashonara is saying something negative. It's going to impact that person in a negative way if you tell the truth. So how, so and what? Why in that scenario? What's the kula? Why can that? Why is that not, not Lashonara? Because you're protecting somebody else. Ah, you're good. You're, exactly, exactly. So this is a, the person that you're telling the thing to. Like, if you knew that somebody was a, God forbid, domestic abuser, and had gotten divorced and is now being fixed up with somebody else, I, I would think that that you have a responsibility to tell the person with whom he's being set up, hey, so and so has been a domestic abuse. Correct. So that's a very good example because it's very obvious, right? That's a good one. Uh, right, if someone's been, it's been involved in an abusive relationship, so that might be something that, that you, again, you have to be careful how you do this, right? But information like that, right? very serious information that can impact a person's decision, um, whether they should or should not go on a date with that person, whether they should or they should not become involved in business with somebody, right? Um, you know, I heard about this guy. Should I? He wants me to invest X amount of money in his new venture. What do you What do you know about him? And then you happen to know that he's, you know, been arrested for some type of, you know, monetary crime, or he has a shame at least of being dishonest, etc. You know, do we have a responsibility to let somebody know? So all those, th- all these examples. It's also really complicated because it is. For all you know, your information is false. Correct. No, you're right. It, it, it's, a more, it's definitely more complicated than that. that someone else was going to Correct. Around. Correct. It's definitely more complicated than that. But the, the idea, the concept, the construct, in theory, is that if someone has something negative, that there are times when it could be permissible to say something that is true uh, and negative about someone. I can't say it if it's not true. Um, in the Mishra, in the Chavetz Chaim, has all kinds of very specific requirements that involve what he calls, this is called toelas, right? There's some constructive purpose to speaking the Lashonara. You have to know it yourself, you know, all, all kinds of rules that he has to lines up to know that, that, it's a, that you should be saying something. But the bottom line is, if that there are times when it's permissible. And in the Tzitzel Yezer writes in the Tshuva, the reason it's not a problem of Loserach and Chabamecha is because it is a kiyom of Losam and Adam right? You are, you can't stand, the reason the two are put together in the same Pasuk is because if you don't say in this case, then you're going to be Salman Adam Recha. You're going to you're going to stay, stand by with someone else is either losing money or getting physically hurt, etc. And so, therefore, there are scenarios where a person is required, not only allowed but required to say something because, again, there's what's it's called to, the toelis. It has a constructive purpose. Uh, you have to be able to pr- protect somebody else, etc. Fine. Um, 
and the um, and that's and that's one scenario that that's permissible. There's another possibility, uh, which we've talked about in a different context. We're not really a conversation tonight. Is what about venting? Right? What about someone who needs to talk about something and it's for their own kind of mental health to be able to get it? So the Chavetz Chaim seems to have such a such a kula, um, and others do in very in a limited ways. If you have one person that you go to to talk to something to get it off your chest because it's healthy to get, you know, it's not going to spread, and you won't tell other people to hold it in confidence, etc. There can't even be, you know, in certain limited ways. Such a such a cool but this is not the time for that conversation. But it's just important to know that there is such a conversation about that possibility, also. So one possibility is is toelis. So how does that? How would that toelis apply to our conversation, right? To issues that relate to the public sphere, right? You could argue that in order to protect members of a society, right, to keep people informed about the actions of their leaders, their actions, you know, other other. Uh, you know, things that are going on in the world that people have to know about. So even though you're going to tell us something that is negative about another person, about an institution, about a, a group of people, etc., maybe that's not lush and hard because, again, it's the toelis. Take a look at source number six. You have a, uh, we're going to have a, a number, a few pieces here from this book. This is an amazing book. This book over here, um, written by Ray Feldman. It's called False Facts and True Rumors. Um, I got it from someone in the community who happens to be related to Ray Feldman, his mother. Who gave it to me? Um, uh, it was it's one of the best gifts I ever got for having someone over for lunch. You gotta be safer. So uh, it's a great, it's a great. As if you've ever read any Rabbi Feldman stuff, just great stuff. Full of, I may, it's great. I get it in a second. Um, I don't know if it's gonna be a pharmaceutical this year, but if there is, you can get it there, um, um, and other places, I'm sure. So a great piece right here. So take a look. He writes, this is just part of his introduction to one of, his, one of the chapters in the book on journalism. For society to function effectively and responsibly, it is necessary to have citizens who are informed and aware of the issues that affect them, and even more so of those issues upon which they are empowered to have an impact. Accordingly, to become informed and to inform others regarding these areas, especially in a democratic society, seems to be well within the balance of purposeful and necessary speech. We would call that Lashon Harla Toelis. However, this justification does not detract from the vigilance and sensitivity required by the precepts involving Lashon Hara. Quite the opposite. It raises the stakes and makes these considerations all the more relevant. So right, just because we have an ability to speak Lashon Hara because we have to, it doesn't mean we need to be less aware of the issues involved. We need to be even more careful. Once we kind of like, you know, wade into those waters, that obviously becomes much more complicated. It's much more dangerous in terms of the impact you could have on somebody's life um, once we start publicizing things we've done, even though, even though there are times when they are very important to do. Um, in this vein, the Chazanish asserts that we are permitted and in fact required to be aware of the character and behavior of communal leaders. As such, involvement by the populace is necessary to ensure an appropriate level of leadership. Nonetheless, in the same breath, he warns that extreme care must be taken not to, to, uh, to not deviate from the truth and fairness and not go beyond what is relevant and necessary, even to the smallest degree, lest one find himself slandering a scholar. If there's an individual who is you know, involved in inappropriate behavior and they're in a leadership position, maybe they may be a rabbi, they may be a head of school, they may be a politician, they may be anyone, right? Um, and they're stepping out of bounds, the public needs to know about that to protect themselves from that person and maybe to vote that person out of office or out of their position. Um, that being said, obviously, it's really complicated. Uh, what, what, what constitutes you know, that level of indiscretion that now we're going to put it in the paper uh, or put it in an email or post it on Facebook? Um, and I think the, the line of what one person considers toelis and important for you know, defending someone or, or protecting others and you know, what is maybe over the line, I think, is a very, very gray one. And can be confusing for people to, to make that decision. But Dan, Dan, do you want to say something? Yeah. Is there any distinction? You, know, you said a lot, a lot of Shane Bomasa, right? Yeah. Is there any distinction between print media, um, speech, right? You know, um, a, a conversation. By the way, I also heard there's a there's a separate exemption. Um, I don't know if it's lalacha, but I always assumed it was that. One can say lashon to one's spouse because it's the nefesh echad you joined as a. Yeah, so that's that's not true actually. There's really? no specific. I've heard, right? heard it also. Not nefesh I never heard that before. You know, uh, 
you know, uh, like we say, by Hanukkah, by, Ishto uh, Kagufa, right? Men and women don't have to like, they can like the same menorah, one person, because they're Ishto Kagufa. So we don't say that about Lashon Hara, actually. It's actually brought in a number of Svarim that say people say such a thing, but it's not true. I actually saw it today a couple of times. People say that. So the, the one, again, that, that gets more into the question of, of venting. You know, there are times when a person just can't hold it in. It's not, it's not emotionally healthy. So for some people, that's therapy. Right? Therapy is the best because that person is legally bound not to share with anybody else. Uh, so therapy, a therapist is the best person. But no, you're not always, always going to pay someone 200 bucks an hour because uh, you're upset. So, to, so, to, so I, I always give people the, the advice. To find a person that you really trust and you have a really good relationship with. And then if you need to get it off your chest, you can. Uh, hopefully for a lot of people, that is their spouse. Um, you need to, you need to just, just, I got to tell you this, it's so upsetting to me. And you let them know, and they're not going to tell anybody, and then it doesn't go anywhere. And you just, you, for, you know, uh, you know, that you can be able to get it off your chest. Um, there, there, there seems to be a, 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 you know, valid approach, a valid um, basis for that in the halacha. You have to be careful with it, because people can say, oh, you know, they can vent to seven people about something someone did to them. So you have to be careful about that. But yeah. Sorry, back to the first question, speech versus print media. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, de- definitely, definitely we assume that speech, that print media, that Lush and Hara can be violated with a wink of an eye. Lush and Hara can be violated with a gesture, and it can be violated with writing or typing and texting, etc. There's no difference. So it's a good question. Would you get Malkus for it? Probably not. I think as, as I think it's still defined as a lav shame by Misa. Um, I think I'm pretty sure. I, I would. I've never heard that, that a person who wrote Lashon Hara would then come Malkus. I, I don't think. I don't think we say it could be because it's defined that there. It, it is a Misa that that fundamentally can be done without a Misa. It's an action that can be done without a Misa. You know, a, a very that can be done without a Misa. It's a good question. So I'm. I'm wondering. See, I'm wondering because it seems to me that people in public positions, such as rabbis, right? Uh-huh. On the one hand, they might feel more of a need to publicize something, whether it's political, whatever, and I'm trying to be careful as I say this, and to give an opinion because they feel like it's so, so important, so I might feel more of a responsibility to say something, but maybe it's even a worse thing for them to say something because their position, they carry so much more weight. As as Spider-Man is wont to say, with great with great power comes great responsibility. You're absolutely correct. That's a, conversa- it's a conversation that happens in the mind of every public person, right? Do I get involved? I'll take it to the other opposite extreme. That's been, that was one of the arguments, one of the, if anyone watched, uh, what's it called? What was the Michael, Michael Jordan documentary? The Last Dance. The Last Dance, right? One of the things they got on Michael Jordan about, right, was that he never got involved in politics. Republicans also buy shoes or something, he said, right? Right. Um, so like they got on him that he didn't, he wouldn't speak up, right? Well, he didn't want to speak up, but right? so that's like taking to like a totally different place, right? But it's true. Any person in the public sphere, and this is happening all over the country now, right? Why does this athlete speak up? Does this politician speak up? Does an actor speak up? And every time they do so, well, they, it's that much more potent when they do. And that becomes, a, right, so depending on your position within your community or within your family or within, you know, your, wherever you live, your decision to speak up or not speak up is, in, is, 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 makes a difference. The same thing's been true these days with doctors within communities, right? If a doctor decides to say something about COVID-19, for example, it carries more weight than if a regular uh, community member does. So the same thing, they carry, that, it carries a lot more weight. And again, it, it has the potential for the good in a tremendous way, but for the bad also. And that's why it's, it's so scary. That's a great point. Um, so the, good. So number one is the question of what we call toelis, right? Toelis, which is that there's going to be some type of positive impact or a way of either helping others, defending others, etc. But there's another one also, um, and that is referred to as apetlasa, or what we call information that's already public information. Take a look at source number seven. Is an article that Rabbi Gil's student wrote. If everyone's ever seen TorahMusings.com, a great, a great uh, website to find really interesting uh, contemporary halakhic literature. Right? A student is, uh, uh, he grew up right, right here. Um, and he uh, oftentimes he'll come, he'll come speak with him in Chamar when he's in town. 
Um, he posts a lot on Facebook and on Twitter, etc. Um, so, and he gets and he gets right into a lot of these uh, intense debates. So he writes as follows: Another avenue is that of of nisparsim hadavar. The idea is already publicized. Once negative information has already been widely disseminated, there may be room to allow further publica- public pl- sorry publicization. Since more or less everyone knows about it, right? You've probably heard this idea before. The Chavetz Chaim talks about it also that if there's a there's information that's already been said in front of three people. We have a concept in halacha known as chavrech chavrech islay. It's actually a very strange thing to say. We assume that once people know, they're going to tell other people, even though they're not supposed to, right? So we have this 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 understanding of human nature that people share. Once they've heard something, they're going to tell somebody else. Um, and once information has been shared in a public way, certainly not just in front of three people, it's been shared. On the, online, it's been shared in the papers, etc. So then, my repeating it is not lashon hara. Why? Because I'm not promulgating the inform- you know more negativity about this person. Everybody knows, right? I'm not telling you anything you, you didn't know before, right? So if I tell you something that I saw on on, on you know on a, on a news site and I tell it to somebody, that's not lashon hara because everybody knows, right? I'm not I'm not doing anything. Um, so. I, uh, I want to come back to the second part that he has there a little bit later. But in source number eight, you have a, a, a question that was asked to, in the Sefer called Mareha Bazak. Mareha Bazak is put out by Eretz Chemda. Eretz Chemda is like a, a very interesting organization that puts out all kinds of interesting chuvas on interesting topics, uh, modern, modern, modern questions. Um, and it's, and it's, a, it's a compilation of uh, different Tamil Chacham who all like learn at Eretz Chemda and they put out these chuvas for him, which is very cool. And they... Uh, they have one here. If you want to see the details, you can welcome to take a look at some of the details inside. But the question basically was, there was an archive that was holding on to all kinds of archives and articles and all kinds of stuff. And they asked Shaila, can we hold on to a lot of these you know, articles that are saying negative things about other people? They're written about prime ministers, right? about Israeli politicians, right? all these, all these you know, Jewish people, from people, all kinds of people. And there's all these articles there that are, you know, in a certain sense spreading negative information about these people, are we allowed to hold on to them? So, they, so they, the answer was given as follows. Those are archeonim to read, public archives. The fact that, what's the whole purpose of holding the public archives? Right? The purpose is for the purpose of the tzibor, right? You want the community, you want the, the public to have these public records. That's why you have them, right? Mitan la'agor, um, so you can hold on to things that would seem to have items that seem to have lashon har in them. Why can you hold on to them? Because they're for the public's necessity, the public need, right? The idea of public records um, being available, records being available to the public, is important for the for the for the public to have that. Um, and even though it may include negative information about people, that's something that is permissible. So the question becomes: So what is that? So, 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 on the one hand, right, there is a concern for Lashon Hara, Motzi Shemra, etc. You know, say things about other people, about other institutions. We're going to talk about public, you know, institutions, etc. Not just one individual, but so that's a serious issue. This is the Raisa that we that we have to worry about, uh, and that's true. If it's true or not true, etc. That's different. You depending if it's true or not true. Um, but there are scenarios where it is permissible because, again, there is this toelis, this need to, to, to protect other people, to protect the, the public. And at the same time, sometimes these things don't fall in the category of Lashon Hara anyways because they're things that everybody knows about already. So, so that, th- those are two possible leniencies that can be used you know, for journalists and for anybody who's going out and writing about things that are already publicly known. Um, how do they do that? Um, but there's a, there's a couple other pieces here also because because I think right, just a question with regards yeah. to the, so let's say a person in a public sort of situation did something inappropriate a teacher an actor yes. and was handled privately to the satisfaction of whoever handled it they said this is the we've set, we've gotten rid of this person they're not going to be able to harm anybody again right it's privately. And a journalist or somebody becomes aware of the situation. Are they in that situation? Are they still allowed because of the public need to publicize it, or is it become then a situation where they that's it's, it's nobody's business? So that's a, obviously right. As you know, it, a really hot 
issue, right? Which is how much do we publicize these types of indiscretions, um, especially of people in power? And uh, I'll tell you, there's, there are certain individuals today who have used social media, um, certain individuals who are very, very fierce about fighting uh, people who are involved in child abuse or pedophilia, who have used Twitter and other social media out, uh, social media outlets in order to um, spread the names of these individuals on purpose uh, because they're concerned that they move from... What's the concern is a lot of times when it's individuals like this, they move from place to place. They move from community to community. And you know the person was an a educator in a certain place and they get fired from their job. And what happened? So good, we took care of it here, but we haven't taken care of it in you know, Y place where that person will now go. And so there are those who feel at times that it's appropriate to publicize the names of these people so that people don't, you know, uh, that people don't, they know, protect their children. It gets more complicated when what the person did was gray. Maybe it was inappropriate. It wasn't against the law. The police won't prosecute, etc. Those are the scenarios that get much more complicated because how do you, uh, you know, how do you determine in that case whether or not you should publicize it? So the answer is it's not so simple. And each case has to be, has to be, you know, really taken, you know, with a fine tooth, tooth comb between the police, with experts in, in, in abuse and things like that, and try to figure out when it needs to be publicly taken care of. And sometimes it absolutely has to be. And there are times I think when it, when it doesn't, because there's some situations the person maybe is inappropriate, but they haven't done anything illegal, um, etc. And you have to like, you know, you have to you have to balance it. Um, so it depends. Yeah, I sometimes see on Facebook. One of these posts about, well, you know, you have to let people know this guy's a pedophile. You have to let people know this guy, you know, has been refusing a get or something like that. And I'm like, how do I know right. that the person posting this isn't just making stuff? Right. So the best way to know, right. So the best way to know is when they come from, when they come from, like, for example, Ora, if it's coming from an institution that is something that you trust. So that's sort of part of the point. That's part of the question of Kabbalah's Lashonar, right? You're accepting Lashonar. Even in, these, even in these scenarios where it's permissible to speak about it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's permissible for you to believe it as fact. Uh, but even if you don't believe it as fact, the Chavetz Chaim talks about, yes, you can't believe it as fact, but you're allowed to be concerned for it, right? So maybe I, know, I don't know what this person did or didn't do. I don't know if it's true, but I know enough that I'm not going to have my child in that person or I'm not going to use that person as my doctor or I'm not going to, whatever. Um, but yes, it, it, that's why it's so complicated. Because uh, if, if some people decide I'm going to tell everybody about X person that they one time did something which is a lot less severe and maybe a lot more gray whether it was really abuse or not abuse and destroy a person's life. Um, and that's, that's exactly the point here, that there, there are these uh, leniencies that exist for Lashon Hara, but they have to be taken so carefully because you're, you're, running, you're walking this tightrope constantly of either mitzvah, lafar saying you got to tell everybody this person's dangerous or you just destroyed somebody's life. Um, and do you know that it's true or not true? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying in any way that we shouldn't publicize you know, scenarios where a person's abusive, etc. We should. But again, the, the, all of these scenarios are, are cases that you have to be careful about. And these haven't even gone to the points, the, the, the topics that I was talking about originally. Yeah, Judah, what do you want to say? One of the other things that kind of comes up is the question of due process. That there are certain crimes or improprieties of which one could be accused that the accusation itself is enough to destroy your life it's enough to destroy the life bingo um and you know to what extent does somebody get the right to defend himself or herself against that kind of accusation yep and that's one of the and that's one of the biggest problems right now i think in in the, the, the fast pace, everybody, Feldman writes in another part of the book about the fast-paced nature of social media. Nothing happens anymore. Oh, let's talk about it in the newsroom. Let's decide whether to publish it or not. The second it comes out, the next second it's out already, right? There, there's, no, there's no delay. And because there's no delay, the moment there's an accusation, it's out already. And it's out and it's gone. And, it, and you never take it back, Right. There's the famous quote of like the politician or somebody who said, where do I go? You know, after he, he's acquitted, where do I go to get my reputation? Right, right, right. And we know stories like that over the last number of years that have destroyed people's reputations based on accusations and whether they're true or not. We don't even know. Absolutely. Um, so let's take a look at a couple other things here. Does Lashon Hara apply to institutions or groups? Right? It applies to human beings, to a person. What about to a group? So it says the Chavetz Chaim as follows. 
So he's talking about, uh, in general, going out and, and, and the responsibility at times to, to, to speak about things that people do and whether you should be careful for it. And he writes, which underline, the danger of embarrassing people um, for things that they've done, if, it's not, if there's no toelas. The culture of Oh yeah, well, we know that everybody who lives in X community is, right? People like that do, right? And we think, oh, well, I'm not talking about a person. I didn't say, sh- you know, like, sh- you know, Shlomi Schwarzenfeld does that. I just said people who live in X neighborhood, right? Do want to, you know, are, act a certain way. Well, that actually might be worse, right? Um, Right, to talk about an entire community in a certain way, it's even worse. Right, Felman has it here also. A common misconception is that while speaking against an individual can be harmful, speaking against a group of people does not inflict any harm. However, the halakhic literature vigorously opposes this premise, stressing that speaking against a group is the greater offense. This is not, and by the way, this is where I think a lot of these situations, things get brought up, right? Those people who, right, wear, are crazy about masks, or those people who refuse to wear masks, or those people who, right, name your group, right? Uh, it's, again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have healthy debate about these topics, the thing that we should, but it's, it, it's the way we talk about it, right? And, the, and, the, and when we get to an attack on a group of people, that's when it becomes really complicated, this is not to say there's never a need or justification to do so. Rather, the general considerations and warnings regarding Lashon Hara are in effect in this situation as well, possibly with even greater severity. Similarly, it's important not to allow justified criticism of individuals to broaden into unwarranted attacks on a group. Right? That's another point, right? which is that maybe there is an individual who you know who's done this and you've seen it with your own eyes and you know it and it's important to call it out. But does that mean that because they live in a certain place or associate with a certain hashkafa or come from a certain, you know, a certain you know, institution, that means the entire institution is, is sullied because of it. And it, it, it gets complicated, right? It gets complicated. Um, another, another piece here that is really important is, is another issue. And that's the issue of what's calling um, being machzik v'machlokas. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, in, in, in source number 11, talks about when Moshe Rabbeinu goes to Dasan Vavirim. Dasan Vavirim, right, they wanted to, um, they wanted to, uh, rebe- they rebelled with Korach, and they were the most nasty to Moshe Rabbeinu. Besides Korach, Dasan Vavirim are, are the most nasty to him. Say terrible things to him. If you, and, and nevertheless, that morning before the showdown with Korach and the 250 people in, in Aaron, everyone with their fire pans, just before the earth opens up and swallows them all, Moshe actually goes to Dustin Vaviram to stop them and to say, to make shalom. This is not that a person shouldn't start machlokas, that a person shouldn't be machzik machlokas, shouldn't make machlokas continue to go. Did Moshe have any responsibility to go to Dustin Vaviram in that case? They were being nasty and disgusting to him. Nevertheless, Moshe Rabbeinu extends his hand, right? And he tries to stop it. If you're going to be machzik b'machlokes, you're going to violate Allah, Allah say, of not to be like korach v'adasa. It's a big discussion in the Rishonim, the Rambam, the Ramban, and others, whether this is really an Isidar Raisa or not. Right? Is it an Isidar Raisa? Maybe it's only an Isidar Abanan, Chazal, you know, connected to this, the issue of machlokes. But nevertheless, uh, being a person who, who, you know, promulgates, you know, um, Fighting between individuals and between community is really, uh, it's, it's, it's an instance, they're abundant at the very least, and a serious one. So again, there are times when a person should speak up and say, you know, I really think we need to work on X or Y or Z, this is inappropriate, we've got to do this better, etc. Okay, but you have to ask yourself, am I, am I just, am I, am I offering something positive, right, am I, and offering something constructive, or am I just feeding the fire, fueling the fire? Am I just adding a yet another letter about the same topic that we've seen seven times before and it's just going to keep pushing that same narrative, one group versus another group? Um, and then Rashi writes here on Torah Shemotov, Moshe Rabbeinu was one being attacked and he's the one who tries to stop it. Um, yeah. Fine. Um, Let's skip ahead here for a second. Um, fascinatingly, 
in source 14, you have the question of what happened, you know, what, what, what is the real Machlokas? You know, you know the Mishnah Pekeava says that Machlokas Hashem Shemayim is, is based Hillel Beishamai. Right? The ideal form of disputes is based Hillel and Shammai, and the ideal form that's not Hashem Shemayim is, is Korach Vadaso. So what happened with Hillel and Shammai? So Gemara Eivrin says something, it's a beautiful Gemara. Rabbi Ama Abram Shmuel. Shalom Shanim Nechaku Beishamai Beishillah. For three years, Beishamai Beishillah argued. Their group said, this is not Hillel and Shammai, this is their, their students. One group said, Allah is like us, the other group said, Allah is like us. Yotza Baskal Amra, a heavenly voice came out and said, They're both beautiful, they're both Torah, Yibon Shalom is, is, is loves hearing both approaches, both Basil and Beishamai, but the, for Psach Halacha, the Halacha is like Hillel. Okay. And the Gemara says, If they're both beautiful Torah and the Yibon Shalom loves them both, why do we pass them like Hillel then? So the Gemara ends, Because Beis Hillel were more easygoing. Right? And they would, and they would let it go. They weren't, they weren't going to stand uh, on ceremony when it came to other people. They were very easy to let things go. And to the point, they would give a shear. When Beishama would give a shear, what would they do? They would, Beis Hillel would give a shear. First they'd tell the halachas that, that Beish, what's Beishama's approach? This is what they say, and this is what we say. Rather than saying, this is the approach. The approach is us. They would say, there's, a, there's an approach. It's not my approach, right? but there's an approach, and it's valid. It happens not to be my opinion. And I'm going to tell you not my opinion. Right? And this is where the Gemara continues. They would say, Beishamai first. And then they'd say, but by the way, we disagree and we hold differently. It was because of their willingness not to be machzik and machlokas, not to just, you know, always fight and fight and fight, that they end up being the ones that win, that, that win in the end, right? Because, because they weren't looking to win. That's how they uh, are zocha, to be the ones that win in a certain sense, that we pass them like that. Yeah. Mark. Um, just, I was just made me think on this, on this thing about, you know, Shammai about, it, you know, oh, oh, you don't hear much of this today in, in debates be- within the Jewish world between, say, Orthodox versus conservative or reform or other liberal groups. But if you, it still is out there. But if you, if you think about it over the years, I'm sure many of us have recollections of it, of, um, of, yeah, I'm thinking of Orthodox rabbis. I remember when I was in Israel many years ago and, I think that the, the chief rabbi said, anybody who goes to hear a shofar in a, in a non-Orthodox shul, it, it's really us and they should, it's better they shouldn't hear the shofar. And there's many, many other things like that. So how do you, how do you, how do you get into this um, area when, you know, you, you feel like you're defending halacha or you're, 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 you're criticizing groups which have, let's say, not normative to halacha or other kinds of things. That, that's probably a, a, lot, a lot you could say on that, but I just wanted to get your perspective. Yeah, but I, no, I think it's a great question. I, I think, look, obviously the difference between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai, and let's say, for example, um, those who follow normative halacha and those who are doing things that, that, that would say, again, it's still, others could say it's subjective. I, I would say certain things are objective one way or the other, but you're right, but it's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not objective to everybody. Right? So that's why you have to be careful. I mean, look, People have their ways of dealing with it. I think it's all about, the, it's all about, and this is going to be the answer, by the way, overall to this whole conversation is, it's all about, it's all about tone, right? It's all about, you can say, someone could come to you and say, you know, should I, you know, if I have, you know, these questions, and these are the hardest questions sometimes when people ask, you know, I have a choice to daven in my house or daven in a non-Orthodox synagogue, what should I do? You know, so you might have a psak. Your psak might be that there's, you know, it's it's more. It's maybe maybe the psak is in certain scenarios. You know, uh, the better to, to not go to a shul than to go to the, that was more went on in the 1950s when there was a lot of attack. You know, they, there was a lot of a feeling of defensiveness, and it, meaning for good reason because the, the conservative movement was overtaking the orthodox movement. Um, but even if that's the approach, there's a difference between telling someone that privately and deciding I'm not going to go. I'm not going to write a letter, you know, letter in the newspaper that way to to attack these people and embarrass them. Even if I agree, even if I believe that they're wrong, and I, and I think that I'm right that they're wrong, being wrong, being right doesn't make you right. Sometimes even when you're right, you're wrong, right? It's all about style and and deciding when to go public on something. You might 
hold a belief that someone else's belief is totally wrong, does that mean that it's the right circumstance to get up and blast them? Not necessarily. You might be right, and you might be what they're doing is against halacha, and, and you know, if someone asks you a question privately, you would answer them. That doesn't mean it's the right forum for a public attack. Okay. And I think that would probably be part of the difference. Um, but yeah, it's a, good, it's a really good point. Um, but I, I wanted to show you one other thing, and then we can, you know, you know obviously all this is, applies in different ways. But, or actually two other things, and we've got to run, run out of time here. But um, I mean, Feldman has two other, uh, other points here, which I think are really interesting. Um, one is what's called Avak Lashon Hara, and this is the Rambam talks, the, the Chavitz Chaim talks about this a lot also. What's Avak Lashon Hara? Avak Lashon Hara is when you say something that's actually, it can be positive about somebody or something that is not actually Lashon Hara. It's a nice thing. But you say it in front of somebody who you know doesn't like the person. So you, uh, you know, give your whatever your example is, right? A, a, a political conversation that people are having at the table, which I wouldn't agree, encourage you to do. And you say something great about the president, and you know that the other person at the table does not feel they would prefer to vote for somebody other than the president. And you say something great about the president, right? You're just, it's just a setup, right? You know what's going to happen. There's going to be a volley the other, other direction. They're going to think, oh, yeah, but what about, boom. And it doesn't necessarily be about politicians. It could be about rabbis. It could be about people. It could be about anybody, right? Once you start talking about people and you bring up someone's, something about somebody, you know you're inviting the counterattack. It doesn't mean you can never say something positive about somebody. You can write a nice letter saying, we thank X person for doing wonderful things for our community. That's wonderful. But you have to be careful because sometimes there are things that you put in print which are just going to, again, set off uh, a firestorm and you know it. And if you do that, you didn't violate Lashon Hara per se, but that's what the halacha will call Avak Lashon Hara because even though you're not speaking Lashon Hara or writing Lashon Hara, but you are setting off a domino effect of Lashon Hara. But there's one last piece here which I thought was really interesting. Um, and one of the examples that Feldman gives is when you have a blog and you have a comment section. Right? So if you, if you have a blog and you have a comment section, you got to know your, your readers. Because right? if you know that by putting something in a certain place and then having open comments, people are going to go crazy on each other and you read the comment sections in some of these, even Jewish blogs. It's real, it can be horrible the types of things people write and they start bringing in examples of other people and other individuals and it just, it, you, you got to, if you're, you know, if that's your blog, you have a responsibility, right? To know what people are posting about other people in that form. Um, but I saw one other thing that was really interesting. And, got, and I, I think if you've seen until now, this isn't about right or wrong. This isn't yes or no. Yes, you should write the letter to the editor. You should write the letter to the editor. You should write a blog. You shouldn't post a blog. You should, whatever you want. The point just is, these are all the things that I think that a person has to think about right, when they're going to decide to put something out there. Am I making this comment that is constructive, which is making a point, a point of contention that I think I have something constructive to add to the conversation? If the answer is yes, and it's written responsibly and, and fairly, it doesn't mean you say that something nice about the person and then you blast them, but you actually just talk nice the whole way through. That's fine and, and appropriate and good and, and it's constructive for community. But if we're not thinking clearly and we're not careful, then we can fall into pitfalls of real, real serious isurim, right? That, that, that really can hurt us if we're not careful about it. But I just, I saw one last thing here, which I thought was really nice. Someone shared it with me. One of my friends shared this with me. Um, and it was a piece in a book called You're It, uh, Crisis Change and How to Lead When It Matters Most. And tell the following very interesting story about kind of how they run seminars. And it says as follows, in our teaching, we conduct a simple exercise to convey a relevant lesson that helps students calculate the balance of their influence and authority. It illustrates how different perceptions of a triumph and opportunity affect people's actions and outcomes when engaged in a particular task. In the midst of a lecture, we stop and ask people to link up in an arm wrestling position with the person sitting next to them. We tell them what their ta- that their task in 30 seconds is to get the back of the other person's hand down as many times as possible. We then wait five seconds and shout, go. The room erupts with commotion. On average, half of the pairs are pushing at one another with all their might. They hear arm wrestling and charge into competition. They aggressively employ force. At the conclusion of the exercise, they are tired, sore, and often frustrated. They, they each perceive a win-lose battle and they fought to win. Others hear something very different. Figuring that they are both trying to accomplish the same objective, get the back of the hand of the other person down as many times as possible. They opt to work together. 
after hearing go, they energetically wave their hands back and forth, each touching the table in turn. At the end of the exercise, they are laughing and feeling quite jubilant. When the noise in the rooms calm down, we ask how many people got five or fewer. Those who played the game as an adversarial contest raised their hands. How many did you get? We ask. The answer are uniformly, I got one, I got three, or I got zero. It's always what I got. When we ask how many people got more than five, those who played the game as a collaboration enthusiastically declare, we got 30, we got 20 each, or we got 50 together. It is uniformly a declaration of what we got. It is this subtle distinction in thinking that the meta leader understands and puts into practice. The lesson is derived from the field of game theory. Those who see the game as a contest invest, uh, invest great energy in defeating sorry, the other side. Once they start pushing, each meets strong resistance from the other. If the two arm wrestlers are equal strength, they keep each other at a standstill. This likely reminds you of meetings you've attended. By contrast, those working together experience the enthusiasm of shared purpose leading to benefits that derive from the combined strength, etc., etc. I thought this was so interesting because so often the issues that evolve from these types of arguments in the public sphere come from a place of aggressiveness, of feeling like if only I can best the other person and make it clear that I'm right and they're wrong, that we will advance our, you know, our, our objective in society. Maybe we're right sometimes. But sometimes I think we do ourselves a, a disservice when we look at it as always this adversarial, you know, um, this adversarial arm wrestling and, for, and forget that a lot of the time we're, we're all kind of looking for the same, a similar objective. Um, it's not always true. And sometimes we are, we are, do have to make a point and that's against someone else's point and that's okay. But the, the point is, you know, in, in the long run, it, it's really more about how much we think before we hit send more than it is what we actually, what actually, what we actually write, right? What's my goal? What am I trying to accomplish? Am I going to do this in an objective, positive, um, sensitive way that furthers a message, something that we think can be constructive and positive, or am I trying to attack so I can win? And, and I think that, that mindset can make all the difference. Um, so, you know, again, um, maybe this is why I don't post so much, but uh, I think that, that these types of conversations are important to continue to have. I, I think we got to talk not just about the issues that, that come up, but when people talk about a blog or a this or a post or whatever, a letter, you know, to talk about what, how we post and why we post and what we're trying to accomplish when we do, I think when we do so, we're going to find ourselves in a much better position afterwards. Getting really personal and there's bad stuff out there. Right? Our kids are listening to it and students are listening to it and it affects us. So, you know, any, any thoughts on that? Should you turn off or... <coughs> Look, there's a to- again. I think it's a, there is Toelis, there is Toelis in these things, and I think that you need to, you need to be informed. You need to cast a vote, right? You got to know who you're. You know, again, how many people are really undecided? It's a good question, right? You always say, oh, there's six to ten percent of the people are still undecided. I, I have a hard time believing that, but you're right. Um, there is Toelis to, to hearing about it. I think, but I, what I do think is that we need to be aware. This is not a halakhically per se, but maybe just for our, our own nishamas. You know, the amount of of media that we digest, especially these days coming up to an election and really all the time these days, it impacts the way we think, it impacts the way we talk to other people, it impacts the way we, we debate. Um, there's no question that when you watch people attack each other and say nasty things about each other, it, 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 you can't help but we're impacted by everything that we see and hear. You know, I don't think it means that we shouldn't necessarily see it, but maybe how much we see you know, how much of it we take in on a daily basis, how often, you know, how many times do I need to check X or Y or Z news site that I check, right, to see like the newest allegation and the newest, you know, it's just kind of a mitos for ourselves, like, you know, it's, you know, maybe it's enough after a certain n- number of minutes per day. Um, but that, that's more like in how it impacts our, 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 our mitos. And I think it's real. Um, I don't think it's us, sir. I think it's, I think it's totally mutter and appropriate to, to, to watch and listen to these things. But yeah, I think you got to pay, pay attention to the impact it has on you. Absolutely. So I, I was just thinking because I had a, a, a situation with this election, I had to kind of balance like what difference can I really make 
in who gets elected versus the difference I could make in a person. And there was someone that I was like, basically, listen, if I vote X, Y, Z, are you going to feel better about this? And the person's like, yeah, I would feel better because I'm so depressed and anxious with this whole situation. I'm like, you know what? My vote for X, Y, and Z would make no difference in who's president or who's this or who's that. But it could really make a difference for this individual. Right. No, that's a way to that's a way to that's a way to, you know, use use these conversations to make more Positivity in your life, exactly. I mean, you got you got to figure out where it works. Is it where where is it causing divide? Like this is why a lot of people just don't talk about it. A lot of people, which I, which I don't think it's a bad idea. When people say it's a good point, I've got like, when, when people decide just not to talk politics, you know, I, I think sometimes it's smart because those debates usually don't go anywhere, anyways, and they do just cause bad feelings for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Rabbi, I have a question about Toilet. Um, yeah, it, 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 I feel it feels like there's there's some obvious examples of Toilet like where you could actually have, you know, practical, uh, beneficial consequences. And then there's like, what I'm just thinking is like more like soft toilet, like, <laughs> with, like with like leaders. And so maybe there's more a question for things that, that rabbis and other leaders have to grapple with. But sometimes people have to like take a stand on an issue or they feel the need to like, you know, the word that's popularly used is disavow something or they need to come out and show people that they're with them. There's, I don't know that there's any real toilet there. So if you say... I don't agree with that. What that person said, and like, I need to say this so that you you all know that you know I stand with you. Like, there's not there's something maybe pragmatic coming out of that. So is that you think does that fall under toilet? It's a good question. Usually, the thing that the person is standing up against typically is something that's already been publicly uh, by definition, right? Uh, you have one advantage. You have Apple Plus on that case, right? Because it, it has been publicly. Uh, you know, talked about already. Again, just because something's public doesn't mean that it, it's no all. You know, uh, you know, do whatever you want. The Chavos Chaim has a lot of specific conditions on that in those cases also. But I, I do think there's toella sometimes because sometimes statements have been made or articles written or whatever, and it and it actually really can pain people and hurt people. Um, and by and by by some you know, I, me personally, I don't think I do this too often. Every once in a while, I'll do that. Um, and, and if I do it, I usually do it because I think that it. A, because I think that sometimes it's, it can be actually helpful to people who are hurting sometimes from some things people have said. But sometimes it's actually important because I think there's a, a lesson. Um, you know, there's, there's a lesson to be learned um, from saying that we, I, I, don't believe, I believe this is right and this is wrong. And I think sometimes we stand up and we, and we say, I just want to be clear. I think this is wrong and I think this is right. And I think that's what the Torah would say. You know, and there's a value if the if the seaboard is gonna if someone if you say nothing, the seaboard assumes that you don't think it's such a big deal, or you know maybe it could go either way, and you want to make it clear that you really think one direction is the right direction. I think that it could be toellus because you want to be clear that something is the right value and something is the wrong value. And I think that, you know you, every situation is different, but I, I think a lot of times a it's usually public already, and b um, the toellus can be big. But that's why you have to be careful about it. Because not every Tawalis is real Tawalis. You're right. And you have to be careful. Not, not every time is it worth attacking, you know, uh, individuals, even if they're public individuals. You know, something I, I think a lot of us try to, to stay away from as much as possible. But every once in a while, it comes up. Are we given broad license for Tawalis? Can we look the parameters of Tawalis? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, like if somebody asked me, like, what's going on in Brooklyn? Can I clarify that? Listen, I you know I don't think that, that certain people within our community are acting correct and with regards right. to what the rules are. And to me, that's a toellus. So I what's this? Let me ask you a question. You're right. So like, but the, let's let's clarify that one. That's a great example. Right? That's a whole group of people um, doing something that a lot of us don't agree with. Um, so like, what becomes a toellus? It's a good question. And what's like what's the scenario? It's like a not like a like a it, it mitigates the. Right. That, we, that we see going on that's undoubtedly out there and it could uh, you know and we're, there are real dangers to Hillel I mean practical dangers to it look you saw Rabbi Tversky right Rabbi Tversky put out a, a yeah, video yeah. right so clearly he thought that's you know he said this is absolutely Hillel so okay. one of the that's a Toelis right 
If you think something's Chil Hashem, you got to stand up and say it. Or you're saying something negative about somebody, but something's a Chil Hashem, you have to stand up and say there's a Chil Hashem. Again, Rabbi Tversky's message, if you didn't see it, there's a, I can send you the link. There's a video Rabbi Tversky, Rabbi Mary Tversky wrote, uh, sent out about his feelings about what was going on uh, in Brooklyn, the, you know, the, those couple of days of the riots. So, so that is unequivocally, he believed was, was, he believed was, was a Chil Hashem, and therefore felt he had to speak up to the Jewish community and say, this is not who we are. Right, sort of similar to what Reuven was talking about, right? So the question, what about when a colleague, come, a lot of people said this to me, when a colleague comes over and says, what's going on over there? So you, and you say, look, this is not what we believe in. You know, these people don't, I, I don't subscribe to that. You know, but again, there's still a difference though between saying I don't subscribe to that and then, continue, and then going further. The Chavaz Chaim says, Toelis only works to the, my, you have to measure it out. Have I f- finished Toelis and, and now I've said enough that I've, fulfilled that which I'm trying to, the positive impact. And once I have, then I have to stop talking. And if I keep going after that, then, then, then it's no longer toilet. So right? I've already fulfilled that job. As soon as I say, I don't, you know, that's not who we are, whatever. You know, I don't, my, my, my Judaism doesn't believe in that. But then I, at some point, you have to know for yourself, I got to stop. And that's, that's more the question, right? How do, you, how do you balance it and be careful with it? It's, it's like, again, it's great responsibility. It's great power comes with great responsibility. It's the same thing. I think. When you take a stand, 